Good morning, it's Wednesday morning again. Welcome to Blue Lotus Radio, Anna Kalima's talk show. <coughs> and as usual, we've got very interesting topics that we are going to d- discuss. And today, it's the strange thing that many people are talking about the resurrection. But not very many people speak sensical about the the resurrection because not everybody understands exactly what that means. And uh, what are you resurrecting, in fact? And so it turns out that this is the very topic that we're going to discuss this morning. What on earth, or what in heaven, or what in the world is the resurrection? And we have a beloved Anna Kalima with us here this morning, and she's ready to talk to us about this interesting topic. So, good morning, Anna Kalima. Welcome to Blue Lotus Radio. Good morning, beloved Ralph. It's a truly a splendid day today. And yes, thank you. It's a, a very intense topic as far as Orthodox Christianity is concerned across the spectrum of the European understanding of it and the United Kingdoms, the British Isles and so on and so forth, and even up into Canada and America and so on, because it goes hand in hand with the um, both the Anglo-Saxon churches, the... Um, Methodist and Anglican churches, and obviously the Catholic Empire, uh, which has its hand, as it were, over the whole planetary body and all its outreaches, even here in Africa. So it's uh, a very interesting topic because, with all due respect and much love and honor, it is very, very deeply misunderstood because largely it's been so cloaked in a kind of orthodox fear, in a kind of, you know, the whole hell, fine brimstone message which has come through the clergy of the churches um, yeah, over the last 2,000 years has left a bit of a sting in the mouth because it's also been bound around a kind of puritanism that is not very positive, puritanical outlooks which around about the Middle Ages caused a lot of the tremendous misery and unhappiness in Europe and throughout the Renaissance and actually was responsible for a lot of burning, a lot of actual burning at the stake, a lot of very miserable deaths that people went through uh, because of the tremendous tyranny and superstition that ran through the church with regards to this very topic because of the sting of it being the Christ himself and what Jesus really came to do. So, yes, I would like to, in some small uh, layman's terms, break it down a little bit for people because the resurrection is very pertinent to the golden age. You can't have it without it, Ralph. And that also includes all of elemental life. They also want the resurrection. People will say, well, what would elemental life want the resurrection for? If they don't have the Christ consciousness within the field of the elements of nature, it cannot rise either, because contrary to what people do not understand, is our nature is deeply affected by Christ and the Christ consciousness, because there is also a very deep misunderstanding of what Christ consciousness is, which is the permeation of the Godhead, 
through the Holy Spirit into the matter sphere. Yes, Christ affects every particle of living there is. Oh, that's a all right, good introduction right there. So, um, it is an interesting thing to, uh, that you mention the elemental world, you see, because um, the elemental world is, is carrying so much karma for your humanity at yes. the moment. The uh, rebellion in certain of the elemental sectors are huge, big, and just because they are forced to carry certain karma that humanity is not managing to process. Yes, there needs to be a bit of a clear understanding on how. You see, I've, I've come across a few folk in my life, good people, good-hearted people, sincere people, who truly do not understand anything about the elements. They do not understand that nature is a fully conscious being in herself. They do not understand that the four hierarchs and the four quadrants of the matter plane, earth, air, fire, and water, are governed by hierarchs who govern... The elementals, in other words, the, the undines in the water quadrant, the salamanders in the fire, the gnomes in the earth, and the sylphs in the wind elements through the Holy Spirit. These beings are governed by hierarchs who take, I would like to use the word control, but I don't really want to, but take command of them and, and control that kind of element. Like, for example, the salamanders need to be managed and controlled. If you've seen a fire get out of hand, you'll understand that there's a certain point where you cannot actually command salamanders because they can become extremely rebellious and they can destroy everything and gut everything. The same principle lies with the salamanders, I mean the undines, where you get these massive tsunamis and these great um, destructive forces of water, inland water and so on and so forth. These beings are conscious. This is what mankind doesn't understand, Ralph. These beings are conscious and you speak of the elemental burden bearing mankind's karma. People will think one is crazy. How is that possible? How can an elemental being bear our karma? Well, I tell you, good people, they can and they do. And the reason is simply this. When an, a sufficient amount, you know, a, a very large amount of souls refuse to awaken, when they are very rebellious, when they are not prepared to take responsibility for their life, you come in here, <clears throat> this is this planetary body, you reincarnate, you come in here with the principle of two things, your karma and your dharma. You come to serve and at the same time you're given an opportunity to pay off your karma. Alright, we've had this discussion before. But there is a certain spill-off, there's actually a certain spill-off that takes place where people don't want to take responsibility. Now karma Everything in your life, from the moment you awaken till you sleep, even while you're sleeping, is energy. Energy in motion means emotion. And you who teach the astronomical, astrological understandings in cosmogony will know very well what I'm referring to. Everything is energy in motion, and energy is consciousness. It's not just some peculiar force. Oh, here comes the wind. The wind is consciousness. It's not just a wind breezing through your face. You're not just standing in a lot of lovely cold water or even warmish water like your hot springs and so on. There's consciousness involved. For instance, did you know, Ralph, that all the oceans, the main seven oceans of our planetary body, the waters of the body, because at some point they all conjoin. They cleave off due to the tectonic plates and the shape of the continents and so on. But actually it's one body of water. But because of the continents and so on, we tend to segregate it into certain oceans. And also the way the um, 
the, the cyclical swirls and the movements of the waters work. Sometimes two oceans work completely opposite to one another and so on and so forth. And some oceans are deeper according to the crust of the earth than others. Some are very shallow and so on, especially when you get up to these, because they're very high points. Islands are the tips of mountains. They are, islands are nothing other than the great tips and flattish ledges like you have Table Mountain of, of, of mountains. And when there's earth shift and there's earthquakes and things like sinking continents and so on, these things either remain or push up, but they normally are the tips. Like New Zealand is nothing other than the tip of a massive set of mountains. So is Tasmania. So we must just understand that water itself holds the memory of this planetary body. Did you know that? Yeah. That in fact, the oceans, any water that you go and stand in in the body of this water, this planet, holds the record of every embodiment you've ever had. Yes, and so that Dr. Yamoto actually proved that uh, water has memory. And um, by just telling the water you love it, it's already responding to you. And, um, and in fact, the water is holding the memory of just about all the shipwrecks right throughout the world. That memory is still bound into the water body. And people have experienced strange things at, at the beaches where there's been a, a shipwreck. So we know about the, the intensity of this memory of, of the earth, um, which is carried by the water. But so now, um, because there are so many rebellious elementals, uh, rebellious even gnomes inside the earth, uh, because of earthquakes and uh, earthquakes, yeah. So uh, the, the concept of resurrection is certainly pertinent to them uh, uh, very much, isn't? Isn't it so? Yes, you must understand that water is actually liquid crystal. Water is nothing other than liquid crystal. Water is crystalline, as Dr. Moto showed people, just as snowdrops are really frozen water, and yet you see the magnificent geometric forms of, of every single snowdrop is very different to the other. So the principle in water, too, as well, is um, very much crystalline, and pure sand or silicon, pure sand, also holds memory. If you work with certain vibrational frequencies, as some of the scientists have done, and you run... Um, a couple of handfuls of pure, like desert sand, for example, across a very thin drum. By a drum, I mean literally like you have a Native American drum that you can beat, that skin that is stretched, and you set underneath it a certain vibration. The sand will form into the most magnificent geometric patterns. Now, why is this so? How can the sand suddenly form all the water? Because it actually has memory in it. It has the original memory of the original geometric blueprint of the planetary body. So we are talking here of a very, very high level of consciousness. Um, I've just read a certain article yesterday which interests me. I don't know if you've ever come across it called Time Crystals and that um, the physicists are discovering that there are certain crystal elements in the earth that actually alter time. They finally found it out and they actually alter their shape according to the time as it changes. This must principally prove to you that the Earth has the most wonderful memory or blueprint of our, our whole evolutional shape, should we say, as it's come through the seven spheres of, actually it's divine consciousness, but while we remain in the matter plane, we have to then find the Christ consciousness through that effort 
the whole principle of King Arthur and the knights, as you know, and the grail, the understanding of the grail is actually to find the very hot chalice of your own Christ consciousness. Yes, nature, when there's a spill off, when people are rebellious, the, it, the energy of your rebellion, the energy of your refusal to take up your mantle, your refusal to pay off your debts to life. I'll give you a classic example to my listeners. And it comes from St. Germain himself, where he used this in his I Am Discourses of the I Am um, organization. He started a very long time ago. It's almost just over or under 100 years ago now, I think, isn't it, Ralph? Somewhere around there. 1930. Yeah, 1930. So it's coming up to nearly 100 years ago. And... Um, these teachings of Saint Germain are extremely profound and I think it would be very worth going into them and trying to understand out of which profound level he came yeah. to bring to us a deeper understanding of what the karma is and what he taught in there is that you, when you don't awaken, when you spill your karma into the earth, when you spill your energies into the earth, the elementals catch it. The elementals receive it. Where does the flow of your thoughts go? Where does the flow of your energy go? Yes. Th thoughts are not ephemeral. Thoughts don't just evaporate into thin air. Where do they go? Where do they go, Ralph? Where does your feeling go? A very hot, angry man, and he cools off. Okay, fine, he's calmed down. Where did all that energy go? Exactly. So, uh, the elementals, unfortunately, have been at the brunt of mankind's uh, uh, anger for a very long time. And uh, when we see the kind of anger and hatred that is manifesting here in our politics in, yeah, in South Africa, one also starts to wonder how the elemental world will respond so this is a big question of our time. And so, yes, indeed, so these elemental beings really also have to be resurrected back into their group soul. And uh, you, see, you see, the complexity of the nature of this subject is that mankind does not understand that everything he says, everything that comes out of your mouth, you are held accountable to karmically, from the least to the most, the simplest prosaic things. Jesus made it clear, he said, it is not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, it's what comes out of his mouth that defiles him. Because at some stage, as it is with right now today, everyone's waxing and waning about organic diets and all the rest of it, and eating this and that, and so on and so forth. How can it harm me in that? But Jesus was very pertinent on this point. He said, yes, that is basically very pertinent. What's more pertinent is what comes out of your mouth. What you're going to say, because you are the living word. Everything you say, everything you speak of affects the universe. It affects life around you. It affects the elemental beings. So in a sense, what Jesus was teaching us on a very, very light level, as Saint Germain taught us, is we are responsible for the fall of nature. Our energy <coughs> vibrations, be they good or positive. You get someone who's got green fingers and you see them, it doesn't matter what they touch, the plants just sprout up out of nowhere. They develop these magnificent gardens and so on. That is a very positive energy that the elementals feed on. And together, that man, that woman, those people, they can bring absolute magnificent harmony, magnificent gardens. That is when the elemental life works together, hand in hand, almost consciously with mankind. It's not just a matter of someone's very good at growing plants. It's a consciousness together there. 
So we are, as a race, we are in, in the sense of mankind, very responsible for the elemental beings. We are very, very karmically responsible for what is happening in nature today. So we are here in Blue Lotus Radio on a Kalima Talk this morning, and we are having a very, as usual, I must say, we're always having very interesting talks. So we're going to just have a little bit of a musical interlude, and I'm going to play um, a song called Michael's Great Blue Sword. And this Michael, of course, is Archangel Michael, and at this time we really do need his presence um, in the world. And so we are back now to uh, talking about elementals, earth, air, fire, or water. We're discussing elementals, we're discussing the whole of nature and the resurrection of uh, nature. And uh, we've just were saying now in the break there that most people do not understand and do not, do not realize that nature 
is uh, connected directly with the inner uh, soul life of mankind. And this is something that they have completely lost because in ancient Greece, for example, in Egypt, they knew these things. But nowadays, we unfortunately live in a time when science dominates and scientific thinking. Fallen science, yes. Yes. Just for science today is fallen. It's not science at all. It's complete um, artificial intelligence. So therefore, you must understand, uh, Ralph, in the computer world, in the Internet of Things, artificial intelligence is dead. There's no life in it whatsoever. So when people get very, very involved in it, and there's a certain point where we need to understand about certain things like the physicists are involved with, but it would do them a lot of good if they actually understood beyond the platonic solids the actual reality of what is behind nature. You have earth, air, and fire within your own body. The whole um, template of nature is within your own being, and your your own being is, is a microcosm. It's a little microcosmic solar system you're being. Therefore, you, in that sense, to the amount of your own being, are responsible for how you deal with nature, how you think will affect nature, how you feel will affect nature. Hence, um, sometimes these tremendous tsunamis and that are not just a matter of the fact that there is um, tectonic shifts, for example, or volcanic activity. One's got to ask the question, why is there tectonic shifts? Why is there volcanic activity? Is because of hatred. And eventually what happens is you know, hatred is a very palpable energy. And you'd have to be a very foolish individual not to believe so. Um, hatred is actually quite a vile energy. It is, is It can make you very, very sick to be um, connected to individuals who live and move and have their being in hating everything and everyone. They have these schisms and isms of racialism and segregism and all this kind of separated kind of consciousness actually has a very, very violent, violent effect on your atmosphere, on the hemispheres of the earth and the hemispheres of your own brain. Now, your brain is basically a, a, a miniature earth, okay, and your north and south hemispheres of the planet are the hemisphere of your own brain and the left and side, um, the left and right side of your brain is a miniature of the planetary body herself. So how you react within your own consciousness is going to, overall, as Dr. Malthus showed, affect everybody. Your body is what? Something like, there's, there's talk between 75 and I think about 87% water, which is what uh, Emoto tried very hard to do. And if you go around saying, I hate you, I hate this, I hate the government, I hate that, every time you even utter the word hate, he had descriptions there if anyone's picked up some of his work and seen some of the marvelous pictures of those crystal forms. He would label, he would just simply write the word hate on a piece of paper and attach it with a little bit of glue or whatever to a, to a glass, pour water into the glass, and he would do the same to another glass next to it and write the word love. And then he would read the molecular vibration of both waters. And it is shocking to see the formation, the crystalline formation of water with the word love on it and water with the word hate on it. Oh, that's, uh, that's wonderful. Um, people should take more notice of his work, you know. He's now passed away, but... Uh, yeah, recently. Yes, very recently. Right, so... So we are talking lots here this morning about uh, the elemental world and how it is actually carrying the brunt 
of the karma. And we are living in a time of great return of karma. And um, so we've been watching, for example, the earthquakes and um, tremors inside the earth. And uh, we were just wondering, um, you know, how these uh, nature events don't seem to um, stir up a warning in humanity. <laughs> they don't. You know, the Master has just flashed through now what really this equals to. In other words, we're looking for some sort of tangible answer here. You have to take, when we talk about being responsible for karma, what the Master has asked me to speak to you about is you have to take responsibility for your feeling life. Now, feelings and emotions, as I've discussed before, are two different things. Emotion is impersonal energy. I gave you the, the archetype of walking into the room. You're in a very good space. You've woken up. You're going to a meeting. And there's one man in the room or one woman in the room who's in a terrible mood. They're angry. They're shouting. And you can decide to remain neutral. You can decide to take on that anger. Or you can decide to turn against it. These are your choices that you can make. But whatever choice you make is with your feeling life. It's how you feel about that angry man. Okay, I'm going to get involved here. He's got a just cause to be angry. And I'm going to stand beside him. That's your feelings. Mm. But the energy in motion, the emotion in the room was anger. Yeah. Your choice is where you're going to take on anger. Now, what the master, what Master Kazumi has flashed through is you, dear people, need to take responsibility of your feeling life. Your feeling life often appears to you in the form of a massive tsunami. Personal tsunamis are when things happen to us that we can no longer have any control over. You lose your job, this, that, the next. Um, you may tragically have an accident and write off your motor car. You might be okay, but the vehicle has been written off. The vehicle is a karmic expression of yourself in matter plane in the world. Okay, So your feelings are very powerful. The feelings of any human being, my feelings, your feelings, are very, very, very powerful. The power of your feelings is greater than the power of a tsunami. Mm -hmm. It is so powerful, your feelings. Your feelings are, in fact, meant to be when you resurrect and you ascend. You can create planetary bodies with your feelings. Your feelings are the building blocks of creation. Now, if you can't control them, if you can't get your feelings... In your emotions, in other words, the karma of your emotions, some people seem to have, again, the karma where perhaps they are often surrounded by very miserable, unhappy people. Okay, so the, the, the emotion of misery, of, of less than, of lack, of depletion, and that, and they seem to constantly attract a certain kind of individuality into their life, is because somewhere along the line you have generated in your feelings those kind of situations. And often like attracts like, so you end up attracting certain individuals perpetually into your life because in your subconscious mind there might still be a lot of unhappiness, there might still be a lot of misery and possibly, yes, unfortunately, self-pity and so on. So this, these are your feelings, this is how you react. Um, there's action and reaction. Gautama yeah. Buddha uh, taught it very clearly. Yeah. And the response of action and reaction is always triggered by ignorance, and ignorance means to ignore. And Gautama taught that ignorance is the root of all evil on this planet. It's got nothing to do with how intelligent a person is. Ignorance is a choice. You you choose to ignore. If you know that you're getting sick in a certain direction and you just keep ignoring the writing on the wall, in other words, you 
having certain experiences and that you don't get it sorted out you leave it and leave it, and then you end up going to the doctor and find out that you're actually quite seriously ill and if you take a note of the first warning signs you could have prevented perhaps a very tragic situation this is just an example so we need to take control in a, in a, in a christ way this is why christ is here you don't control your feelings you command them ralph if you try and control something you have no idea about, how do you do it? How do you control Ralph? Like, I, I know I've had that experience. Thank God, not very often. I think you have too, where you're in a car on the freeway and your steering rack, your steering wheel goes out of all control. And you cannot control that vehicle and you end up having a very serious and dangerous motor car accident like I did where my car turned on its roof. It's a very frightening experience because you can't control the steering wheel. It locks. Mm, yes. You can't do anything. So you, you're locked into this motion and the car turns on its roof. There's a whole very intense karmic expression there. Yes. Which is relaying back to you that you're not in control. You're not in command of your feeling life. Right. So life mirrors to you your lack of control. Yeah. So And also you, <clears throat> what people don't realize is that uh, the... Thoughts is is very much connected to their feeling. So what other whatever thoughts you are entertaining, there is an underlying uh, feeling world that is connected to that. And people see tend to ignore thinking they think that thoughts they separate. They're separate yeah. yeah, I can put it this way to you, Rob. Thoughts and feelings, if you like, your feelings are the clothing you put your thoughts into. You get up every morning and you wear a certain outfit. So you've, you've put clothing around your body, put a garment on. The masters teach con about consciousness as garments. You put something on. So your thoughts, if you're going to wake up and you're feeling a little bit out of it, okay, and you start thinking in a certain way, you're addressing that with feelings of misery. You've thought, well, you know, I don't feel so well today. Now, in that very moment, you've got a choice. You can act on it. Maybe you just take something for a headache, for example, or you go and have a nice hot bath or shower or something. You've got a choice to act. Or you can feel very sorry for yourself and start building up huge amounts of feelings around the fact that, you know, I don't feel well, etc., etc. So you're putting a garment on. Your feeling, St. Germain put it this way, feeling and thoughts. Thoughts is the water. Feeling is the color. If I take a pipette, a stopper, and I, I, I drop into... Plain, clear water, blue dye. Now that's it, the water's colored blue. Mm. That's what you do. Mm. Your thoughts can be neutral, but your feelings are the dye in the water, and mm. they can change it forever. Right, so it's very important that we start to uh, realize the role that feelings play in, in life. And... Um, also in nature. The nature is very much affected by our feeling world. So the topic of our discussion this morning is resurrection. So it sounds to me you are telling us that uh, the point to begin with to understand what resurrection is is to realize the impact of your own feeling. feeling life. You see, before you can go into the, tr the, um, the resurrection, you have to go through the transfiguration. Jesus actually, in some of the mighty decrees of Summit Lighthouse, actually gave a set of what he called transfigurating affirmations. I am the way, I am the bread of life, and so on. I am the truth, I am the open door that no man can shut. This transfigures, transfiguration means change, means to change. 
So unless you change, you will never receive the resurrection. You can't resurrect, bring back into life. Resurrection is to bring back into life, to lift it up from a state actually almost of death. So if you have a pattern where you are thinking as a the large majority of mankind when they are asleep, think in patterns of death because they live in the past. And the past is death, it's dead, it's gone. And yes, there's lots of pain and all the rest of it, unearthing it all and dealing with it all isn't always a solution. You've also got to resurrect your consciousness. But if you can't receive the resurrection of Christ, you need to start at ground roots, which is to transfigure, to change. So, I mean, there have been the late and precious great Dr. Wayne Dyer spent his entire life working on transfiguration, on changing the way you see things. Then the things that you see will change. People have a certain view on life. And if you change your view on life, the whole situation will change. That's transfiguration. You change the way you think. You change the way you feel. Sometimes we go through such change, like I've certainly done in my life, and I know you have in a few, where the way I address today and live today is a complete and absolute 360-degree turn of the way I was, say, 12 years ago. You understand? That's a complete transfiguration of the aspect of my being. But if we only transfigure, if we only change to end up in just a simple variation of where we've been, or for the worst, where will we be? Change can be positive, it can be negative, as we both know. But no. change regarding the resurrection means that you lift your thoughts, you lift the way you think, you lift the way you feel, the lifting of the way you actually live your life. You like, for example, change your diet, you eat better, you're healthier, and you change the aspect of how you relate to people you work with them in a compassionate way, etc. So you start to raise your vibrations. You raise your energy quota. When you go through the transfiguration enough, when you've changed the way you live, when you've changed the way you think and feel, you're ready for the resurrection. But you don't know that. <coughs> Excuse me. Christ knows that. This work that we do here, the principle of this radio service, is the principle of serving Christ. So I'm not particularly interested in um, earthbound thinking, if I can be forgiven for saying that, and sort of intellectual understanding on this and conceptual understanding. I'm trying to break mankind away from being bound into concepts because concepts are about segregation. A concept is always severed from its main subject because you've done that, you've taken it out, you've extracted it, you've looked at it, it's become a concept. So conceptual thinking unless it's also transformed, is the death of your consciousness. Mm -hmm. This is what artificial intelligence is about, Ralph. Um, the Internet of Things is all conceptual. So how yes. do you draw it all together to form a picture? You can't look at a puzzle through its pieces. Yes, uh, yeah, I know that. You know, linear thinking, you can't create imagination with a linear thinking. So your concepts are purely linear, and it's mechanized, you know. The computer technology is very mechanized. The, the uh, higher thinking is always to do with pictures and expanding the imagination. If you have a thousand-piece puzzle, puzzle, sorry, a thousand-piece puzzle, and you get home and it says it's a beautiful scene of nature, you see the main picture on the box. This is a very interesting archetype, this, and you're inspired by this picture. You want to go and build this puzzle. But your life is like that, you see. You have more than a thousand pieces to the puzzle of your life, but to give it a containment, we set it on a number of a thousand pieces. 
okay? Now, you cannot see the whole of your life if you're only looking at certain pieces of the puzzle of your life. You can't see it. That's concepts. Yeah. You, concepts get lost in looking at the pieces of the puzzle of your life and not the whole picture. Yeah. Now, you buy the box and it's given you a picture. What is it giving you? A blueprint. Here's the blueprint. Now, go and build it. Now, the blueprint in this case is Christ. Christ has that blueprint. We have to trust. We have to have faith. We have to have hope. Christ will help through Mary and the Immaculate Concept. She holds the blueprint that we can lower the blueprint of the total picture of our being so that we can form the picture by putting the pieces of our life together in the puzzle of life. But to only see little pieces of a person right, and to judge that person and to condemn that person on two or three pieces of the entire picture of his life is actually a form of insanity. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So we've got to understand that only Christ, the cosmic Christ, the cosmic Buddha, the planetary Buddha in Maitreya, the Buddha in Gautama, there are many, many more Buddhas, um, the Buddha in, for example, Kwan So Hin, uh, the Buddha in Mary, the Buddha in Jesus himself, they have the blueprint of our life. The actual picture which we were originally entered into the matter plane with. It's like we're all a box of puzzles. And we're sent into the matter plane to put those puzzles together. Where Elohim and the Christ holds the blueprint on the, on the cover of the box. But we don't have that blueprint. We have to earn the right to have the magnificent understanding of what that concept is. Mm. Divine concept, not a separate one so that we can become that Christ. And the only way you can begin that is through transfiguring, changing, and moving towards the resurrection, so that there is actually something to resurrect, to bring back to life. Now, Jesus has given quite some profound dictations through Clearly, through um, our blessed David Lewis in Montana, and to my own humble heart, where you have to understand that he is Jesus and the cosmic Christ and other all ascended masters have the power to bring that resurrection together. In other words, the resurrection is to bring the picture to a complete formation. If we don't allow the Christ to help us, how is that going to happen? Because you see, if I go back to the box and I go back to the pieces of the puzzle and we more or less get the picture in shape, but if you've noticed in your life there's always a piece missing, it's like this part of my life doesn't make sense. So there's a certain piece that is missing out of that puzzle picture. That means that in your subconscious mind, there are elements still in your subconscious mind that are sleeping. Yeah. And that has to be resurrected. <clears throat> Excuse me. It has to be brought forward so that that picture can complete itself. Only the power of the Christ can do that. Yeah, that's a that's wonderful picture here. Um, just to remind the listeners who are listening to us maybe for the first time, when we talk about Christ and Buddha, we are not talking in the sense of Christianity or outer Buddhism, but rather in terms of the teachings of the ascended masters where they embrace all the religions of the world and they see all spirit as interconnected and they all have a purpose and a mission. And so um, just... It's only, excuse me. Uh, I was out in the sun yesterday, and I actually got a touch of sunstroke yesterday, so I'm a little bit off-key this morning. Um, there's only one Christ, Ralph. 
that is the cosmic Christ, yeah. and it's step down. To step down means is to weaken the power a little bit, because if we were to receive the full power of the cosmic Christ, uh, you would die instantly. Yeah. Um, your your body would just shatter. Your heart would just give. You wouldn't be able to take that kind of a frequency of energy of light. So when the master speaks of stepping down their light, in other words, they lower it. Like you get a light bulb that is 60 watt, and then you get a little funny light bulb that's also 15 watt. So the power is stepped down and stepped down and stepped down. And that light in the weaker light bulb is still, you can use it, but it's very weak. It doesn't represent as much light as a 60 watt, for example. So mm. we look at Christ in that way, and we say Christ will step it down so that we can cope and I will use this word only as a form of understanding with the voltage or the frequency, the power of the frequency. Otherwise, it might blow. Otherwise, your consciousness won't cope with it. So the resurrection of the Christ is different for every single human being. Some hmm. need more, some need less. It just depends. That is, the frequency of the Christ consciousness is universal. The frequency of the Buddhic Atmic consciousness is universal. Hmm. Well, this is... Uh, as usual, a fascinating topic. We can do a small break now, and we play another another piece of music um, called Mary's Roses. <laughs>
There we go. So we're back again, and we're talking about a very deep subject this morning, and um, one that is also misunderstood greatly because of uh, orthodoxy. But we are not talking out of orthodoxy on this radio station. We are talking out of ascended master wisdom and deep um, esoteric understanding of these things. So we're talking about why concepts. And which are usually linked to certain very strong feelings. People have very strong opinions uh, connected to concepts. And what's the difference between a concept and an archetype? Um, Anakalima, can you talk about that? We have to go to Elohim for the word archetype. Archetype is blueprint. Archetype would naturally hold the original blueprint or, or aspects of the blueprint. Whereas concept means to conceive. It's, it's to conceive ideation, to conceive an idea. People are very fond of the word concepts today. But, okay, so you've conceived or received an idea and then? An idea, unless you build it, unless it's got some certain formation, can be very dangerous if it sits in your mind as simply a concept and you do nothing about it. Because it's floating around there in your subconscious mind. You conceive idea, but you don't do anything with it. There seems there needs to be a certain amount of what the masters call fructification. If you receive Elohimic ideation, you are meant to, to, to build. Another word for the Elohim is the builders of form. They build universes, they build planets, as well as creating mankind. So they don't just stick with conceiving some kind of ideation they work out of archetype archetype basically is a blueprint it's very much like going and having an x-ray and you hold the x-ray say of the proverbial ribcage up in a sense that is an archive it is a record it is the archetype you are holding a blueprint of what you look like from a purely biological level and the rib cage, someone's had an accident broken three ribs and yes, there you see in the x-ray there are the three broken ribs you've got a blueprint there so archetype is to do with blueprint it means you've got something to build from the doctor can now look and say yes, you have broken them, there they are um, the, the architect also works with that because he has a blueprint to build your house so archetype also is to do with the subconscious mind Mankind has certain subconscious archetype patterns that are built into him through Elohim to enable to put that puzzle of your life together. And often the hero's journey and the Greek mythos and so on was all archetypal so that you can gather in your journey in life these pieces of your life and build it together because you're not um, a paper puzzle on a piece of cardboard. You're a living soul. So the archetypes of your soul are living. They are not concepts. Yeah. Concept is, 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 is the very beginning stage. It's just ideation. Another word for concept is an idea. I've got an idea. And then? Or, or are you just going to let this idea hang in the midair? What are you going to do with this idea? Oh, it's very frightening. Ideas have to move. You know, they, are, they connect themselves to other ideas. And they also connect themselves to feelings. And if we are indoctrinated nowadays into into political opinion and into uh, uh, reacting to people's personality. And this is uh, all, in a way, a fallen concept of... Um, <laughs> concept, there's a word, concept. The fallen concept of the mind. So, 
No. So what you've said there is a fallen idea of the mind. But that's, a, and I, I'm speaking universally and, and not you specifically, Ralph, the concept of the fallen mind is simply that. It's a concept. Do many people talk about people who fall, people who are bad, in, in, in inverted commas, is merely a concept, which is what the Master's, Plead with us never to do. What are we are always asked by the masters? Do not judge another human being, because you're judging on concepts. You mm. conceived an idea about that person, and you're accusing them on the basis of your own idea. It's ludicrous. Oh, wow. yeah. We are not an idea. We are a complete being. Imagine. Yeah, so the idea of of reincarnation, I suppose, also plays into that because. Although many people believe in reincarnation today, there are still many who doubt it or just treat it exactly as you say, as a concept. And haven't realized the depth of that. Because when you meet a person, there's many lifetimes behind this particular persona that you are now meeting and looking at. So this concept of resurrection we're talking about here, Anna Kalima, is, is that there's going to be a whole turning point with your conceptualizing, with your whole feeling world, when in fact, with your whole world conception, you, your world view is, is going to be transformed. Your whole world conception must transform. You see, another thing, I can put it to you this way, and this might offend a few listeners, I pray not, However, I, I teach out of the building blocks of Elohim that are stepped down through the masters and then given to me. And we have to look at the fact that often mankind is referred to as infant humanity by the ascended masters. Yes, man thinks he's so evolved at this point in time, yet he's referred to by the ascended masters as infant humanity because we are still stuck in concept. There's no form. Concept does not have form. You can create form from it but it does not have form. It's ephemeral. Concepts are ephemeral. They are just, they are suppositions. They are just, opinion is actually conceptually born. Mm. All opinion comes from concept. And if concept is only an idea, what is your opinion? Your opinion is simply an idea. Right. Eh? And so it's, it's got to do with route learning because when you have an opinion, you think you've got the final conclusion in your hand. So if I learn my exam, I write it down, I get a mark for that, good. But in fact, you haven't learned how oh. to link your concepts to a living, moving reality. Why, why, why do the masters say mankind is, is, is an infant stage? Because mankind hasn't started yet to birth his consciousness in Christ. The process principles of birthing Christ must be born away from conceptualism. It must be born into forming. And the only way you can do that is through the transfiguration or to change the way you live, to move out of simple ideas in their own, um, opinions of their own, feelings of their own, and to move and expand your awareness into something infinitely bigger. But unfortunately, mankind can't build without God as much as mankind thinks he can, which is, I would say, 75% of the reason the planet is in, if not all, the problem it is, because man has this ludicrous idea that he can continue on this planet without God. And this is where the greatest problems lie, because without God in Elohim, God always works through Elohim. The ones we know of 
the seven mighty Elohim, we know there are many more, many more, but as I've said before, um, and I, I actually conducted a small ceremony on top of Table Mountain yesterday, and it was actually really beautiful, and that's where I got quite seriously sunburned, despite all the clouds. And it was quite interesting how we were able to look at a similar understanding to what we're talking about today, and that is you have to birth your Christ consciousness more than just having ideas about what Christ is. People seem to be very comfortable with ideas, but they don't go any further with them. They've got all this stuff floating around in their mind, and they can't form anything from it. This is also why people get very sick, because we need form. We need something solid. The body's solid as such. Okay, um, You're not some vapory spirit warrior, you know, floating around somewhere. You walk. You have two feet, generally. I'm not talking about souls. We've had accidents and things. We have two feet. We walk on the earth. We are upright. The body is fairly solid. The earth is fairly solid. You sit down in a chair. It's fairly solid. What does it mean? It's formed. It has form. Therefore, you can hold it. You can do something with it. But if you have thoughts that have no form in them, they're just concepts you can do nothing with them. They are not building blocks mm. that cannot create on their own. So therefore you are stuck. So we have to change the way we are living out of an infancy that is stuck on stuff like metaphysical sciences, stuck on the other side of metaphysical sciences, which is called quantum physics. Quantum physics is very fine in itself, but it still doesn't have the proper building blocks of creation in it. Yeah. Okay, we are. So we are talking this morning about resurrection, and we are realizing that we have to start with our thought processes. We first of all spoke about our feeling processes. Now we're talking about the thought processes. And these are things that a human being can, can control because they ultimately affect the way you act and do things. And if we don't do things according to some kind of uh, archetypal real reality, we don't... We, we, influence the future in a negative way. Am I right? Yeah, well, you know, Gautama put it that way, that ignorance is basically, although he never used the word evil, but is the root of all evil, it is basically the root of cause and effect. Okay, so cause is ignorance. If you have a choice on something, you choose to decide you're going to condemn something in somebody you have no idea where they come from. You don't know what is about them. You don't know why they have acted the way they have. But you've judged them on that action. There's an effect. In other words, there is a result of your thinking. Cause and effect. And the results are nine times out of ten extremely negative. Because if you're going to just, out of something in your soul, you don't fully understand. Because you've rubbed this person up the wrong way in another lifetime. Nine times out of ten when we are very itchy to spar with people is because in fact the person that you are doing your very best to judge criticize and put down you might owe them a bit of karma and it's irking you and you don't want to pay that karma you know Saint Germain gave that also in the I Am Discourses where he gave the classic example of it was a most interesting story that he put where um, this woman was owed a certain amount of karma in Europe she was an opera singer and when the time came for her to sing, the certain sponsor who had actually sworn and stood in front of St. Germain, he would sponsor this woman so that her singing, which was very much part of the great symphonies that the masters were laying into the octave, like the works of Beethoven and so on and so forth, and 
um, all these other great Strauss and so on um, for mankind and the renaissance of mankind's consciousness, so is singing very much part of that. Certain of the operatics is very much part of, because the power of the human voice and the power of singing is very, very intense and cannot be underestimated. So she had a very specific point. It wasn't just that it was her karma to be able to sing. She was also bringing a certain melodic harmony into the earth. He refused to pay the debt, and consequently she couldn't meet her destiny. So what happened is, now these two individuals reincarnate again, and once again the same man stood in front of St. Germain again, committed himself again, the same woman reincarnated to sing again, and as St. Germain put it, but very much more eloquently than I can, so help me God, he repeated it again. And her karma was derailed a second time. She could not go up onto the platform. She could not sing and bring to the world the power of her magnificent voice and the power of the archangelic symphonies that move behind such people like Pavarotti as an example, the late Maria Lanza and people like that. Because um, it's a message for mankind. Music is a message for mankind. So her karma was derailed again. She could not meet her public, uh, her public karma in other words, to serve mankind, because this individual, and he said it was so interesting that it was at the very last minute, the 99.9, you know, the 12 o'clock hour, that very last minute, this man backed out, and mm. he was put back into the situation where he's extremely wealthy, and able to fund, support, and deliver this woman, and he mm. refused again, and her karma was derailed a second time. This wow. is a classic example. This is in the IM discourses. This is a classic example of how when we don't take responsibility, when we swear to God, swear to God actually comes from the term we, we, we give our pledges to the Master. That's where it comes from. Mm. The karmic board, Masters like St. Germain, El Moria, and so on, Beloved Afra, um, so on and so forth. Even mighty archangels like Michael and so on. You have commitments with these beings. Yeah. And then when you enter the matter plane, and St. Germain has also made it very clear, there's no guarantee. From the moment you birth, you enter the matter plane, there's no guarantee because of the extraordinary bombardment of very negative energies and situations on the planet that you're going to meet your pledges. But we strive anyway, do we not? And that striving is called Christ. We strive anyway. We have faith anyway. We go through wars and we come through wars and all sorts of things because we're constantly striving to make sure that this happens. But this opera singer and this individual is a classic example of how we don't take responsibility for ourselves. We refuse to pay off our karmic debts. He owed this woman from some other life, maybe even at Atlantis, because the great master didn't expand beyond where the actual debt came from. Mm -hmm. Maybe it went right back to Atlantis. It doesn't matter. But he had a profound debt to pay to this lady so that she could serve, not only serve mankind, but he mm. could pay her back for whatever she might have done for him. And he refused used point blank to do it. Ah, that is so sad, isn't it? Because um, it makes me think of uh, all the wealthy people in the world and what they could actually do with their money. Well, half the reason they're wealthy is because St. Germain and Lady Portia, the goddess of opportunity, makes sure that the money comes to them so that they have just what they need for their own needs and requirements and they are able then to support ABC and they don't. Yeah. And that is very sad. So we are talking here about a, a major resurrection and shift uh, in attitude, especially to our fellow man as well. So the word resurrection embraces rather a, a large um, worldview, in fact, and but it also embraces 
an initiation of the will because you have to really engage your will to be able to change your way of thinking and to meet your pledges because you feel your pledges in your feeling life, not in your concepts. And if your concepts are fallen concepts, they will deviate you from your your pledge, which uh, you uh, you feel. <laughs> As you say, people can't uh, they can't say they didn't know because they are prompted by the angels yes, you in feel their, it. You in feel their it. feeling life. Yes, so you feel that you need to go and do such and such or help such and such an individual. That nine times out of ten, when you get those intense feelings, I just felt I had to do that. That's angelic prompting. So it's actually quite it's it's quite serious, and um, that's part of the reason why also certain key light bearers. I've had this done to me in my life, where I've been completely derailed because certain individuals, at the certain hour, as I like to put it, the the, the proverbial midnight hour when they should have come to the fore and should have stood by, simply turn around and said, no, I refuse to do this. Yes, I myself, in my life, I have experienced that very thing. Okay, so let's have another break and um, listen to a bit of another song and we'll be back with you in a second.
so we carry on with this really deep conversation that we're having here this morning. And uh, Anna Kalima has got some more things to share with us this, this morning. What is given here, um, blessed ones, blessed hearts listening? Because I know a subject like this can be quite overwhelming. Uh, because we are indoctrinated, we are... First of all, what passes for education is a form of indoctrination. So we've all been to a parent school, um, underscore. Yes, we've all been to the indoctrination centers they call education centers or schools. And we've been, as it's to put it in modern language, dumbed down to quite an extent. And what it is, is in fact, since Jesus' time himself, we've been trained to totally ignore our feeling life. We've been trained that your feeling life is ephemeral. Your feeling life means nothing, counts for nothing, and that you must ignore your feelings because, in fact, if anything, they will bring you down, and that your feelings, most women are attributed to being the ones with feelings and therefore just disregard all women because they're just a bunch of intense feelings and we can't deal with it. And you get a lot of gentlemen today who are extremely sensitive and maybe described as being effeminate, which I consider quite an insult a man doesn't have to be effeminate because he feels deeply. It's nonsense. So, in fact, m men who are very in touch and very sensitive, in fact, are easier to work with with the Christ because they have had the courage to embrace their feeling life. They've had the courage to look at how and what they feel about this and that and themselves, essentially the self. Jesus would like you to all understand that the resurrection of Lazarus was given as many of the works he did in his three-year mission from 30 to 33, in his three-year mission there, he had a tremendous amount of work to do which he was charged with, not only for the victory of his own ascension as the Messiah, but the direct work of Lord Maitreya, who principally worked through him. And the powerful, powerful understanding of Lazarus to come forth Part of it was that Lazarus was also a mighty Egyptian initiate, which many people don't understand and know about. And I'm not going to go into those Egyptian mysteries today because they are very complex. So I would rather just say that in bringing Lazarus out of the cave was the archetype of your subconscious mind. The, the, the cloth that stinketh, it depends on how much the, the Bible's been tampered with. Because, you know, in those days they would bind someone up with what we call bandages today because now he's dead or she's dead. The cloth that stinketh that he wanted unwound from Lazarus was your thinking. It was the garment of your consciousness that causes you to die inwardly to your feeling world because what happens is you die so much to your feeling world you are nothing but a literal kind of computer yourself. You're just filled with a lot of concepts and a lot of thoughts that have no form, they have no foundation, they cannot build your life, they cannot act in your life, they're floating around in your mind. So in a sense, it is that we are filled with dead thoughts. Thoughts that don't fructify are taught by the masters as being dead thoughts. So you are often, people are described as being the living dead. The unconscious people of the world are described as the living dead because they're living in the body, they're moving and having their being in the world, but they are conceptually dead. They're stuck in artificial intelligence and have no idea how profound they really are and that the Christ consciousness was released from Lord Maitreya. Its descent was from Sanat Kumara himself, 
which was also then the descent from the great throne room in the great central sun. So basically all the way from the top of the Godhead all the way down, reaching the mighty Maitreya into the heart of Jesus so that basically God came to rescue us. He came to rescue us through Jesus who holds, still to this hour, the principal archetype of the Christ consciousness, teaching you that the Christ consciousness, or as I have ex explained to you, the mind of God has the power to resurrect you out of conceptual thinking. That is the resurrection, to resurrect the dead within you. And all of us have it in that sense. Have you not, beloved who listen to me, mourned many things in your life that didn't happen? You had dreams that never came to the fore. You had extreme ideations. You wanted to live a certain way or have a certain house or so on and so forth. Even little things in life which in fact are more important than the big things. None of these come to the fore. They kind of somehow get aborted somewhere. Now I've used that word very carefully and very specifically. I'm not just trying to sound clever. They are aborted. So there is an abortion factor, a murdering, if you like, because abortion is murder. There is a murdering of your ideas that's taking place in the world. And how is it done? It's done through your feeling life. It's to murder, to abort your aspirations, to abort your inspiration. But the big question is, where does it go? Where do all these dead go? In your subconscious mind. Until you are so weighed down by them. This is why people have psychological problems. This is why people become psychotic. Why they become very depressed. Because deep within the subconscious mind. And the superconscious mind. You have these so called dead concepts. Or dead thoughts. That have not been buried. They have not been dealt with. They have not been released. So you have the carnal ground. Which is often also referred to. You have the carnal ground of human consciousness. Which is like a massive graveyard. Somewhere in your subconscious mind. That's why most people are depressed. Most people mourn. And they don't understand why death affects them so deeply. The dying of individuals. Whether you have them cremated or buried. According to traditions or whatever. Is a profound archetype as to the dead in your own subconscious mind, because you didn't get to where you wanted to go. So Jesus comes as the profound Messiah archetype, holding the key, said, I have the keys to death and hell. And conceptual thinking is death and hell, unless it's resurrected in Christ and becomes the building blocks of the future through your feeling life in Christ. So when Jesus speaks of the resurrection, beloved, he does not speak in a heavy orthodox religion that, well, you've been a very good person, so I'll resurrect you. This is nonsense. This is insanity. Because this has got nothing to do with duality of the left and the right, black and white, good and bad, and all the rest of it. This is to do with something that is so deeply profound in your subconscious mind that Jesus comes along as the profound archetype of the Christ. And he says, I will help you. I will hold for you the light until you can hold it yourself. For I am the Christ forevermore. I am the living word. Except that you have me in you, you have nothing. Because I am, and I come with my mother, Mary, the mother, Ray, the cosmic virgin, who holds the blueprint of your being. 
and I will help you resurrect the dead in your consciousness so that you can live a life. So what did Jesus say through clearly? He said, I am come to give you life and that more abundantly manifest. In other words, I will help you manifest your dreams for I am the living Christ and only through me and through me alone, the Christ consciousness, in other words, can you give life to your dead. Can we raise the dead in you? Can we raise your hopes again? Can we raise your buried aspirations, your buried hopes, your deepest cherished dreams? They are sitting in your subconscious mind. And that is not just in this life, Ralph. And in fact, the more people have met with diverse circumstances and tremendous karmic difficulties, and the karmic difficulty that war brings, a war like the COVID is a war, it's a biological war, okay? Uh, and a lot of people in this time have had all their dreams and hopes Shattered. smashed. Don't what you. is unemployment? Unemployment on this level is the smashing of people's hopes. Yeah. It's the destroying of your hope, faith, aspirations. People like my daughter, for example, who's training for her doctorate in, in children. Okay, And she's now been studying for nearly 12 years. So no, she's doing very fine, but I'm using it as an example. I'm saying, what now if because of COVID... All her dreams were smashed, and in mm. fact, a degree is for what? For what purpose? Because she can't get work anywhere. She can't realize her life anywhere. That is the death of your dreams and aspirations. Mm. And then, just ordinarily, you don't have to be someone running for a doctorate. You can be a simple person in the street, but you still have dreams. You mm. still have aspirations. You still have hope. I would like to do this. Oh, I'd so like to do that. That's aspiration. I so want to go there. That's aspiration. Mm. I so want to be able to give this to my children, but I can't because now we are in an economic slump. That's the death of your aspirations because you want to raise your children. Mm. So Christ consciousness comes along in every ascended being, but it is profoundly archetyped in our Messiah, in Jesus, who says, I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Therefore, through me, I will resurrect you into the pure feeling world of the Christ because your feelings are pure alchemy. Your feeling life is alchemy. It is the alchemy that makes belief happen. It is the alchemy that makes hope fructify. It is the alchemy that gives birth to your faith. I believed, I had faith, and I knew God would deliver me. And you get very excited, and people have what they call an epiphany. And they say it's a miracle. Is it really, the master say, is it really a miracle? Or is it not perhaps the Christ consciousness steps into your life and helps you to hold your own feeling life together so that you can make X, Y, Z happen in your life? This is the fundamental principles of resurrection. Because I'm removing the sting of religion out of it. Mm -hmm. This is my mission this morning with Jesus to remove the sting out of orthodox religion and to take the resurrection and to birth it as something that is not only possible it is your God-given right mm. to enter the resurrection mm. oh, wonderful thank you very much for that really key um, understanding and um, if, uh, if any of the listeners are more interested in this uh, worldview and this understanding of life um, they can contact um, Aniela on, uh, and that also includes if you feel moved to make a donation to us, we will be very appreciative. And um, if you want more tea of these teachings, you contact Aniela uh, on a WhatsApp number because uh, she's a teacher and so she can't take phone calls, but she will respond to your WhatsApp. And the number is plus two seven seven two. 
0614-078-2912. And I repeat that, plus 2772-178-2912. So you can contact Aniela and uh, you can either inquire for more teachings and uh, or you can inquire to make a donation. This is Blue Lotus Radio and uh, what we stand for is a new understanding of uh, Buddhism and Christianity and in fact all religion. We are rebirthing. <laughs> we are resurrecting the understanding of spirit and we have wonderful discussions every Wednesday and um, well, we Still got a little time with our listeners, so uh, that was a wonderful understanding. Let us just let that one sink a little bit deeper into us, and we will come back to you. And um, as usual, sometimes Anakalima at the end of our session will make a prayer or a call of some kind. But right now, let us have some nice music.
And so we're back again. We're coming towards the end of our uh, Wednesday morning uh, discussion. And uh, we have just been uh, entering into some profound thoughts that are not merely concepts, that are not merely dead thoughts. And we actually just added a short discussion during that break about how most of the thoughts that people carry around in, in everyday thinking is actually completely dead. It's because people live in the past. You see, memory is dead because it's been. You've lived it, it's gone, it's memory. Therefore, in a sense, it's just a record. It in itself has no life of itself, which Jesus wants you to understand. It has no life. If you only live in the past, in other words, your memories, you are not alive. This is why the constant teaching comes even from other profound um, bodies of teaching, like in the East and Buddhism and so on. They are always talking about what? Being in the now, being in the nirvanic consciousness is now. Only when you live in the now are you alive. But if you're constantly reminiscing, if the whole fabric of your consciousness revolves around the past, you hmm. are living in death. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's uh, just about it, eh? Everybody does reminisce all the time. So. You see, you see, one of the great teachings I've been given recently as well, and and yes, um, this includes me. I give all these things, <coughs> excuse me, and I share them with people. But I'm just as much as part of having to learn about them as well is that the repetitious cycle of the subconscious mind is to keep repeating things. You know, you have a conversation with somebody, and then for the rest of the day, that conversation revolves around in your mind. What is that? That's the past. Mm. It's the record of the past that's constantly being regurgitated through the lesser consciousness at you. You don't need that. You need to stop that. You need to look at your consciousness and say, how much of my consciousness, my day life, is taken up with, and I might use this word because, yes, it's, it's a very unpleasant word, but it's extremely powerful, with regurgitated thoughts. Mm. Because something happens and, and, and it, it gets almost programmed into you because it just goes round and round and round. That is the lesser self. That is the intellect. That is the conceptual thinking that has not been given birth to. So it's like sitting on a conveyor belt in the back of your mind. That just keeps coming around and it keeps coming around mm. because you've done nothing with it. Mm. You know, and people talk about the obsessive-compulsive nature of um, uh, certain psychological conditions of children. But in fact, the whole of humanity is in this uh, exactly. obsessive-compulsive uh, conveyor belt that you talk about. This is very interesting um, because um, uh, people just repeat things and even in, when you lie in, in bed at night and you're reviewing your life and things just tend to repeat itself again and again you, and you've got to remind yourself hey, but I, I just thought that thought about It's very much like when you're at the airport you know, you've come home or whatever or you've gone somewhere you're waiting for your luggage and if you've ever noticed, I'm sure just about everybody has, there's always that odd bit of luggage that just keeps going round and round because nobody claims it. Well, it's the same thing. That thought just keeps going around until you claim it, until you pick it up off the conveyor belt and do something with it. You either forgive it and release it so that it's no longer there, or on the conveyor belt of the intellectual understanding of the mind, it will keep going around until, you know, at the airport it goes right through around the other side because... 
the the um, cargo workers and so on and so forth. They have to take the luggage out of the airplane, they deliver it to the luggage hold, and then one by one, the, the cases and everything that people bring through go put onto the conveyor belt behind the wall, and then there's those two little portholes that move the conveyor belt around. Most of these conveyor belts are in a kind of kidney shape for a very specific reason. And so your luggage comes through and everyone gets relieved. You know, oh, there's my luggage and everyone goes to grab their piece. Now, generally we do. Generally we will grab pieces of luggage. I thought, no, this is mine and we want to go and do something with it. But nine times out of ten, there are also circumstances where there are bits of luggage, concepts, thoughts, because it's also referred to as baggage or luggage, yeah. whichever way you like. Mm. And it goes around and around. And it will continue to go around until you do something about it. It's not going to disappear. That piece of luggage is going to remain on that conveyor belt for lifetimes until you claim it. And people say, well, I don't know what to do. There's a whole lot of luggage sitting in my subconscious mind. How do I claim it? You do it with a violet flame. That's why we have the violet flame. Because sometimes it's difficult to identify a piece of luggage that could be about 3,000 years old and is sitting there along with the mummies in Egypt. And we can't actually recognize it anymore. So we are given the mercy of the violet flame to what? Clear it and resurrect it, to yeah. transfigure it, to change it, to resurrect. In other words, to completely neutralize that energy. It's the same thing, my listeners. You update your phone, don't you? Most people who've got phone contracts, you update the phone. You're so excited, you've got to wait to get home and get to this new phone and put everything on it. So what do you do with the old phone? You reset it, don't you? You clear it because either you're going to give it to someone or sell it. You can't sell it or give it to someone who's got your stuff on it. You have to clear every last thing off that phone so that you've only got the basic factory um, attributes that are on the phone, that the phone does this, that, and the next, and all the rest of it, and Google things and Pinterest and Facebook and so on. Those are key assets to the phone, okay? And then you hand the phone over. So you have key assets in your, your being of how you live and move and have your being. But the thing is, if you're going to clear the conveyor belt, if you're going to clear your device to give it to someone else, you've got to empty it out. Now, we are not cell phones, so we can't just use an app that clears out everything, deletes all the information, and we're free. The deleting of information in the subconscious mind and the removing of luggage is done through the violet flame. And that is your transfiguration. And when you work with the transfiguration flame, which is the violet flame, it also amazingly becomes the resurrection flame because once it has transfigured, once you have worked with changing everything, the violet flame comes as the resurrection and it purifies everything so that you can be resurrected and all your energy is set free. The concept is, yes, I use the word concept, you now get given a phone. I've just recently done that because I didn't want to upgrade and actually my... My son-in-law gave me his, his, his phone, which is still in immaculate condition after two years. He gave me an empty phone, and I put all my things on it. Not one of the articles that are private to him came across to me. I'm free to now load everything of my stuff onto that phone. This isn't a prime example for you. So this is what we need to do, is to be free of all that baggage. The only way we can do it is to transform it through the violet flame, to transfigure it, to change it to change the garment, to change the way we are, so that Christ comes and resurrects us, pulls us up. A flame, Ralph, only ever burns upward. A flame doesn't bend sideways, it doesn't burn upside down. You turn a candle upside down and you've got a bit of a problem apart from burning yourself, you set everything on fire and the candle will just dissolve. 
if not go out immediately. The flame will snuff out. So the flame over only ever burns upward. Therefore the violet flame must be understood. It only ever burns upward in the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection is always upward. It is always upright. It is always streaming up through the crystal cord into your iron presence. So when you are resurrected through the violet flame, through the consciousness of the Christ, say in Saint Germain, you can only go one way and that's up. Mm. Consciousness. All right. Thank you. That's that's a good idea. Good concept. Um, concept. Yes. <laughs> We're all stuck there. <laughs> We're all stuck there. <laughs> good that's ideation. Yes. Good ideation. Right. Um, so we more or less coming towards the end now, and um, um, shall we have another break? And then you're going to do a call and a prayer. Yes. Um, so. We will have a quick one now. We'll have a quick break, and when we come back, um, you can um, basically do a call or a prayer for the world. And by the way, if people want to know more about the violet flame, or um, people have never heard of it before, the transfiguration flame. Um, you can also contact Aniela. And, and also, if uh, there are people who would like to have a particular topic discussed, you can uh, WhatsApp Aniela and tell her what you would like to hear. And uh, we can put it onto our agenda and we can have a, a discussion. So I'm grateful that you are listening to Blue Lotus Radio and we're going to have a um, another Archangel Michael song, but this time a hymn to faith.
So thank you so much, uh, Anna Kalema, for these wonderful talks on a Wednesday morning. I, I so look forward to them, and um, I hope our listeners are also enjoying them and looking forward to them. So we're coming now towards the end of our session this morning. So how would you like to approach the last 10 or 15 minutes? I would simply like to take it one step further with Jesus, beloved, and to say that what is the resurrection for? It's to ascend. It's so that elemental life can ascend. Yes, they can ascend. The planet can ascend. The universe can ascend. What is ascension? Is to go up. Up, 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 up. All right? Moving up out of the astral planes into the etheric realms, into the highest etheric realms. There are 33 astral planes and there are 33 etheric planes. So we want to go to the top of the 33rd etheric plane, which is the the basically the dwelling place, if you like. It is the realm where the Great White Brotherhood operate, where all beings are, where the Elohim, which is even higher than that, because there's another 33 from there on. But then you're going into cosmic science, which is actually called cosmogony, which you've been teaching a little bit of, which is so advanced because cosmogony is actually the major portfolio of Lord Maitreya, which he teaches on inner levels at the great universities of light to truly understand hierarchy and how it works. But I won't get delayed there and just simply say to you, the principle of the resurrection is to ascend. If you set something through, it goes up. If you're in, a, in an air balloon and you throw all the, the sands of uh, a bag sands out, what happens to the air balloon? It fires. There's a firing process. Okay, and so a certain amount of... of um, fuel and air and so on goes up into the balloon and up you go okay and it, it floats away isn't that not a most profound aspect of your ascension and you can look at those jet flames that send um, through carbon fuels the balloon up into the air let's look at your soul and say that the violet flame are those flames the sandbags are your luggage and it's not a matter of, oh, I'll just dump the sandbags over the side of my being. You can't do that. This is why the world is in trouble, because people are dumping their karma, and they're not taking responsibility mm -hmm. for it. You can't do that. You've got to release that karma consciously as much as you can, so that you can ascend, so that you can go up and overcome being stuck on the conveyor belt, going round and round and round and round for lifetimes, because you're not working stuff through that you ought to have worked through a very long time ago. So please understand the power of the resurrection is for the principle of the ascension of a planet and of her life waves, regardless of race, regardless of gender. God forbid that it should be actually included in something like this. We are all one. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. If you cut your body, you're going to bleed. Um, this hype about men and women also must be looked at on another level altogether. No one is lesser and no one is greater. There is an absolute balance in it all. So I would just like to give you from the early days of Summit um, a blessed decree. They're very small, but I've been requested by beloved Jesus just to give these. The transfiguring Affirmations and the resurrection come from a set of hot head and hand decrees that were delivered um, by Al Moria right back in the very early days when it was still actually forming into an organization which he started, Al Moria. 
and he gave these little tiny, they're only two verses long, these little tiny um, decrees so that we can actually carry them with us. In fact, the little booklet I've got is a, is called the Heart, Head and Hand Decrees. It's a tiny little three, four paged booklet with these blessed decrees in it that go right through to the ascension. And in fact, El Moria has said that just on these decrees alone, one can actually clear your entire being and ascend. So they're actually quite powerful. So the transfiguration, please just listen to the words. I'm not here to show you that I can decree. It's got nothing to do with that. I'm here to show you that in the power of decree, if you listen to the words, they are so profound. In fact, Claire de Lee gave a, a discourse just on this one alone, on the transfiguration decree, saying that when you say this decree, do you know, blessed Ralph and listeners, just this decree alone, you can change your consciousness to the point where they cannot find you. St. Germain has spoken about the cloud and wrapping yourself in a cloud. Jesus was purported to simply sometimes disappear from crowds. Suddenly he would be talking and then he would be gone. They couldn't find him. In fact, he was standing right there because he drew the cloud around him. And the cloud is also to do with the transfiguration. You change your consciousness. You change your garment and you can actually wrap yourself up in this cloud and be completely invisible to most people. This is the science of alchemy, which, of course, St. Germain has gone to very great lengths to, to try and teach us on inner levels and in the matter plane through the I Am Discourses and through uh, the great and profound works that our blessed ascended messengers put out in the uh, Summit University. So I will give it quickly and, and I'm going to give it a little bit slowly because I don't want to rush through it because I want you to listen to the words. And if you are listening to me now, please close your eyes and just take a deep breath. Just be still. Perhaps put your hands on your lap and just just so that you can take in. I'll do it three times and I'll do it a little bit slowly. It's very short but I hope you will receive the message because Jesus himself has requested for me to do this. Transfiguration. I am changing all my garments, old ones for the bright new day. With the sun of understanding, I am shining all the way. I am light within, without. I am light is all about. Fill me, free me, glorify me, seal me, heal me, purify me, until transfigured day describe me. I am shining like the sun, I am shining like the sun. I am changing all my garments, old ones, for the bright new day. With the sun of understanding, I am shining all the way. I am light within, without, I am light is all about. Fill me, free me, glorify me, seal me, heal me, purify me, until transfigured day describe me. I am shining like the sun, I am shining like the sun. I am changing all my garments, old ones, for the bright new day. With the sun of understanding, I am shining all the way. I am light within, without, I am light is all about. Fill me, free me, glorify me, seal me, heal me, purify me, until transfigured day describe me. I am shining like the sun, I am shining like the sun. How does that make you feel? What does that do for you in your solar plexus, your solar center and your heart center? How do you feel when those words move through you? Because in your soul you participated with it. I know some of you know these works very well and you probably joined in with me anyway. I know beloved Greer is probably joining in with me right now. Blessed one, I send you my love deeply. So you feel that in your heart. You feel it moving in your heart. You feel it moving in your consciousness. And why and how do you feel it? Because the Christ consciousness is moving it through you. It's changing or transfiguring your consciousness, Ralph. 
Isn't that beautiful? It's wonderful. Isn't it profoundly uplifting? Such That's a small little verse. And yet it's also so very easy to memorize. Mm. I know these off by heart. It's so easy to just, often when I'm busy and I haven't got time to do a set amount of work, I run the head and heart and hand decrees, which I've been doing now since I was 29. Okay, I'm now 60 years of age. It's over 30 years I've been doing this. I run it through my mind as I'm busy running around, driving here and there and so on and so forth, taking a bath, whatever you want to do, even working with people. And I know that I've got this divine dialogue in my mind filtering through my consciousness in Christ to seal and heal me and change the way I think, change the way I see things. So I'm preparing my consciousness, I'm preparing my feeling life, and I'm opening my feeling life unto Christ and saying, help me change the way I think, help me change the way I feel, so that I can, through your glorious resurrection fires, come to life. And we have the resurrection, and we say, yeah, it's a beautiful little one. I am the flame of resurrection, blazing God's pure light through me. Now I am raising every atom from every shadow I am free. I am the light of God's full presence. I am living ever free. Now the flame of life eternal rises up to victory. I am the flame of resurrection, blazing God's pure light through me. Now I am raising every atom from every shadow I am free. I am the light of God's full presence. I am living ever free. Now the flame of life eternal rises up to victory. I am the flame of resurrection, blazing God's pure light through me. Now I am raising every atom from every shadow. I am free. I am the light of God's full presence. I am living ever free. Now the flame of life eternal rises up to victory. Now when the verse here speaks... Um, I am raising every atom from every shadow. I am free. The masters will tell you your luggage are shadows. Because they are. What do we talk about shades? And we talk about spirits. We talk about ghosts. Are also referred to as shades or shadows. Because they have no life in them. So we free ourselves from conceptual shading. So that we can move into Christ consciousness. And be resurrected in the gloriousness of our blessed Jesus so this is my prayer for you that I give you and seal this work in so that you can feel the power of Jesus' transfiguration and his blessed, beautiful resurrection. There's a little ascension one afterwards, which follows immediately after this. I'm, I would like to seal it with this one. If you would close your eyes again, because you normally do these one, two, three after each other, you go from the transfiguration to the resurrection, blessed listeners, and then into the ascension. And the ascension doesn't take place on the day you make transition, and suddenly you're in the retreats and you ascend. You're already ascending now. Your consciousness is ascending now. Because the flesh and bones do not appear to move or ascend, do not be deluded by this, because Jesus taught you that flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven or the consciousness of Almighty God. It is your soul that is resurrected from the dead. It is your soul that is resurrected from the conceptual shades of elusive thinking. You are set free in the Christ mind and you can ascend. I am ascension light, victory flowing free all of good, one at last for all eternity. I am light always a gone into the air I raise. To all I pour with full God power my wondrous song of praise. All hail, I am the living Christ, the ever-loving one. Ascended now with full God power, I am a blazing sun.
I am ascension light, victory flowing free, all of good one at last for all eternity. All, I am light, all weights are gone, into the air I raise, to all I pour with full God power my wondrous song of praise. All hail, I am the living Christ, the ever-loving one, ascended now with full God power, I am a blazing sun. I am ascension light, victory flowing free, all of good one at last for all eternity. I am light, all weights are gone, into the air I raise. To all I pour with full God power my wondrous song of praise. All hail, I am the living Christ, the ever-loving one, ascended now with full God power. I am a blazing sun. So let us see the ascension victory as the final result of our transfiguration, our changing the way we live, that we are resurrected through the power of our blessed Jesus and our blessed Saint Germain and the Ascended Masters and the mighty angels and archangels, that we may in fact be given our God-given right to ascend, the ritual of the ascension, the word ritual means the right you all have. There is a and I use this deliberately, there's a deathly concept today around the word ritual. It's been connotated with very deep darkness. But in fact, the word ritual comes from the meaning, the right you all have. The ritual, the right you all have is to receive the ascended consciousness of Jesus and ascend. And in those final words, and in the name of our blessed Jesus Christ, may you receive him. May you receive him in through and around you. May you implore him. May you never stop. May you be like Lanello, who just refused to stop until he was blessed by the Holy Spirit, till he was blessed by beloved Jesus. He just refused to stop pestering heaven until he got these blessings, until, as he sometimes would jokingly say, because he had such a marvelous sense of humor, that he would be considered an absolute pest, but he would not stop until he was blessed, you see. So don't stop. You ask Jesus for the resurrection flame. You ask him for the transfiguration. You ask him for the violet flame in the transfiguration. And you keep asking and asking until he takes you seriously. And he says, hmm, yes, you know what? You are really serious. You want to be resurrected. You want to ascend. You want to change your consciousness. For I am the bread of life. And I have come to give you life. And that more abundantly manifest. Thank you. Amen. Thank you very much, Anna Kalima. What a wonderful time we are, as usual. <laughs> Every one of our Wednesday morning discussions are profound, and definitely this morning was very profound. We thank you very much for your presentation this morning, and we just remind you that we are Blue Lotus Radio, and if you want to contact us, you contact um, Aniela on WhatsApp. And this is a number, plus 272-178-2912. Uh, Let me repeat that. Plus 272-178-2912. And you just uh, contact her through WhatsApp, sending a message. And um, we'll get back to you. And thank you so much for listening to Blue Lotus Radio. And we will definitely see you again next next Wednesday. So, goodbye. <laughs>